Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Meanerism. Today I'm going to be talking a little bit about Google and how Google works. Google is a really fundamental part of daily life. It's an amazing resource of information and I myself personally use it many times throughout the day. Today I'm going to be talking about how the algorithm works because we're always saying oh let me google that or oh google says this and google says that so it's just really about the mechanics behind how google serves information and how you find that search result or how that search result is presented to you so that's the process of search engine optimization or seo as it's more commonly known I've been doing SEO for over nine years now and I actually got into SEO quite randomly so a bit of a backstory on this before I go through the detail. I graduated with a BA in creative advertising and initially I wanted to get into like the television industry um, throughout the advertising space of television. And I went to a few graduate fairs. I was just kind of seeing what was out there. So I went to a talk from a person in the industry. So he was in the marketing industry. But to me, they were quite similar at the time. I didn't really understand the difference. So I was just there listening to everything he had to say. And at the end of his presentation, he gave out some business cards for internships within the agency that he worked in. Now the agency that he worked in was a full service agency, but the internship was actually within a different company within that business, if that makes sense. And he gave out the business cards. I took a business card. I did the internship. I didn't actually see him throughout that duration, but then afterwards I sent an email to say, you know, thank you for the opportunity. And he just came back and was like, I have a position within SEO if you're interested in, if you're interested in, <laughs> if you're interested as an SEO exec. And I didn't really know what that was. So yeah, basically I became an SEO exec and I went on from there. So I've been doing it for nine years now. And I think it's a really interesting industry. I think there's a lot to it and in the spirit of this podcast being about learning growth and development I felt like it would be really beneficial to do an episode on SEO and how Google works especially if you're a budding entrepreneur and you want to do or create a website then this episode is for you because it will help and just generally if you're interested in learning new things then hopefully this episode will do that too. So I am talking about Google in this episode but I just wanted to note that search engines do vary across the web. So you'll have your traditional search engines like Google, then there's Bing and Yahoo who I think actually um, merged a few years back and there's emerging search engines like DuckDuckGo and Ecosia. 
Ecosia uses ad revenue from searches to plant trees where they are needed the most. So that's quite a unique offering. But Google has the highest penetration in the market. But then there's also other search engines that you use frequently. So YouTube is the second biggest search engine and it's also owned by Google. And obviously when you go onto YouTube, you'll look for your videos and by entering the keywords, you are also using the search engine, which has a separate algorithm to Google's. And there's Facebook, Pinterest, so on and so forth. Then there's product search engines like Amazon, Etsy, eBay, and then the more emerging, newer versions of search engines, which are the voice activated search engines like Amazon, Echo, um, Google Assistant, Siri, Cortana, you know, all of that. If you're on the go and you want to know what the weather's like, or I'm sure you've used a, a voice activated search engine before. But yeah, they all have very different algorithms, all of these search engines that I'm mentioning. But I just wanted to note that there is some variety out there. I looked into some stats around Google's usage. And this was done in 2018, so I'm sure it's updated since then. But there are around 40,000 searches per second, 3.5 billion searches per day, and 1.2 trillion searches per year on Google specifically. So if I look for, literally I'm going to Google, <laughs> how much uh, searches uh, does Google handle per year? Let's just do year. So I said 1.2 back in 2018, and now it is 2 trillion global searches per year. It was 40,000 searches per second. And now it's approximately 70,000 searches every second. So it's definitely on the up and up. <laughs> and it is still very, very popular and necessary to navigate the internet. You will need a search engine. So how does SEO work? Now, there are web crawlers that crawl the internet to find the content that's out there. So you call them search bots or web crawlers. Essentially they're the same thing and they navigate the internet to find HTML, JavaScript, CSS that they can store and they have to store it somewhere so that all of this information exists in one place. So Google have what they call an index I describe it index as a big folder. So it's just a big folder where all of this information is stored. So the web crawlers find all of this content, find the website URLs, then they put them in this folder, which is called the index. And then when we look for something on Google, Google then provide the most relevant results to the search query that you've entered from that folder. So hopefully that's clear. But how do they do that? So how do they know which sites to serve to you out of the millions or billions of websites that exist online today? This is where the algorithm comes in. So Google's algorithm consists of approximately 220 variables. Google make continuous updates throughout the year. Some updates are bigger than others. So 
we'll know what some of those algorithm updates will be in advance. We'll get a heads up, you know, they're going to be looking at mobile usability or mobile friendliness. And we would have to make sure that our website is mobile friendly, for example. But most of the time, they won't tell us exactly what they're looking at. It would just be like a core algorithm update. These changes impact how visible websites are in search. So going back to that mobile friendliness example, if our website was not mobile friendly, then when the algorithm update takes effect, then we might lose our rankings. Um, and our rankings are the position that our website sits in Google. So on every page of Google, it ranges from one position to 10. And that number essentially is a ranking. So if you're in position one, you have a ranking of one, you're in the first position. And that affects our click-through rates and how much traffic we can get to the website. That's why it's really important to adhere to Google's guidelines because some people try to do shortcuts and things like that, but it doesn't benefit you in the long run because Google's algorithm is very sophisticated and it's constantly evolving. So there were quite a few algorithm updates um, that occurred around the 2014-15 mark that were very visible to webmasters and developers and Google would always tell us what they were focused on. So as I mentioned, mobile was one of them. There was Panda, which focused on good quality content. So if you have a blog, for example, and you write really good quality content for customers and it has a consistent stream of content that comes in, then it will be seen as positive. If you're writing content that is very low quality and written specifically for search engines, so for example, it's stuffed with different keywords, then that's deemed as bad content and you can lose your traffic for that basically if you start doing a lot of that. Another algorithm update that Google focused on back in the day was centered around the penguin update which looks at how many links you have to your website and if you have bad quality links. So let me explain. If you have a website and someone else has a website and I've written about something that you've done on your website and I've linked back to you, then that's seen as a backlink. And the more of those you have, the better. So every link is seen as a vote of confidence and Google will read those links as a positive reinforcement that your website is of good quality and it has value and it will rank you higher. So the more good quality links you have, the better. It's not necessarily about the volume of links, so it's definitely quality over quantity. If you have 100 low quality links and then you get one link from The Guardian, that one link is worth more than all of those 100 links that you gained. So it definitely is about consistency, quality, and making sure that you have something on your website that people want to link to is also quite key. But yes, there's been lots of algorithm updates over time. And as of late, Google have become a lot less transparent with what they're actually focusing on within the algorithm updates. So we get an update from Google to say, we're doing an algorithm update and that's it. <laughs> so now we don't really know exactly what they're focusing on. Um, however, luckily we actually did get a lot of visibility on the last algorithm update, which is focused on page experience. 
and that's quite a big one. I think it will take effect around August 2021. But basically, it's about page speed and user experience. So if your site is loading well, it has good interactivity, like it responds well to basically you clicking on a link or clicking on a button, then that's good interactivity, good visual stability. So your content's not shifting all around the page when you're going on the website, then that's also a plus. Um, it's called Core Web Vitals. That's a new algorithm update that's coming. So if you do have a website and you're really interested in, you know, optimizing your website further, Core Web Vitals is going to be key in 2021 and beyond. Within the algorithm, as I mentioned, there are around 220 variables. And for the most part, it's easier to split that into three sections. So we don't get visibility on every single variable in Google's algorithm, but we probably know about 50 to 60 of them. And of those 50 to 60 variables, you can split them into three categories. And that would be technical enhancements. So making sure that your website is technically sound, which I'll go into a little bit of detail about. Content, so making sure you have good quality content that is published consistently, that people want to read and search engines can interpret and rank accordingly. And good quality links. So are you getting good links from reputable websites in a naturally organic way? So in the past, people used to pay for links. So they would contact a webmaster and be like, hey, you have a great website, I'll pay you X to link back to my website. And they might do the same. And I would say about 10, 15 years ago, maybe maybe 20 years ago, I don't know. No, Google's like 23 years old. So maybe at like 20 years ago when Google first kind of came out, you could buy links, but you cannot buy links now because if you buy links, you actually get penalized. And if you get penalized, then your whole website could disappear from Google. They will give you a notice to say, you know, we found some questionable links going back to your website. So we're going to basically remove your website. You need to fix this. And there are ways of doing that. But you just don't want to get into that position in the first place. So they're the three key pillars, I would say, that you need to focus on. So within technical SEO, there are things that you can do to make sure that Google can access and interpret all of your website. So things like putting an XML sitemap onto the website, looking at different data points that you can integrate. So there's this thing called metadata, which you all click on all the time, um, but maybe just don't call it that. But if you go onto Google and you're looking for jeans in London, and those 10 results come up on page one of Google, and you click on that link, that's metadata. So the clickable link is called a meta title, and the description below that blue link is called a meta description, and they have character limits, and you have to make sure that you're optimizing them accordingly. So if you have a website and you're selling blue jeans in London, and you wanna rank for that, then you would need to put that in the meta title because you'd know that it's one of the things that Google look at because it's within their algorithm. So metadata is one of them. Content, making sure your content is rich 
Um, and then best practice SEO. So there's lots of things that you can do on your website as well to help enhance visibility. So you're looking at linking internally from one page to the other because the search bots, the web crawlers that I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, need to be able to access all the pages on your website and they use internal links to do that. So if you have a page and you link to another page, just say if you have blue jeans in London and then you have a jean jacket page, then you can link from one page to the other and that search bot is able to find the jacket page through the internal link. It can't find it any other way. If you don't link to other pages using internal links, then Google won't be able to find that page and it won't be indexable. So when I say indexable, it just means that it won't go into that big folder that I mentioned at the beginning. If you go to Google right now and you search for Tesco's or Tesco, I always say Tesco's, it's not actually Tesco's, it's Tesco. Wow. So if you Google Tesco on Google, you will see the search results come up. On the right hand side is what Google call the knowledge graph. The knowledge graph is a section that has been created by Google to give customers a snapshot view of the company in question. And the information is pulled from multiple websites, mainly Wikipedia, but it isn't something that a web owner can influence. So if you are Tesco and you want to edit that part, you can't really do it because is controlled by Google and they put all of that information in there themselves. Unless something is factually incorrect, then it won't be changed. Essentially, I have tried quite a bit and yeah, it can't be done. <laughs> then at the top, you'll see your organic search result, which has been optimized by SEO. I can tell that these search results have been optimized by SEO team, but not every website has an SEO team. So obviously their search results might not look as slick as these ones. But yeah, it definitely helps if you have really optimized titles and descriptions. And then below that, you'll see your Google My Business results. Now, Google My Business results are all of the physical stores that that company may have. So obviously if you don't have physical stores, then it won't show anything. But if you have a head office, for example, then it will show that information just below your organic listing. And that's where you can get directions or call up the company or go to the website. And that is something that you can also control. You'd have to get a Google My Business account to do that. So how do you measure how well your website is doing after all of this work that you've been putting in. There are quite a few resources online as well, by the way, because I know I haven't gone into this in detail, but I wanted to at first give an overview of what search engine optimization is, and then I can provide more detail around resources if there is an appetite for it. So now that you've done all this work, and you want to check whether you're seeing more traffic, how do you go about doing that? So there's a few free tools that you can use 
to see how much traffic you're getting. If your website is a transactional website, how much revenue you're generating, how much orders you're getting. And you can do that through Google Analytics, which is free. There's a few ways to implement it, which you can find out on their website. But generally, most people put a tag on the website, which enables Google to be able to accurately report on performance. Obviously, you need an account and you would need someone to help you set that up. But for the most part, it is definitely doable. Some of the things that you can look at to see whether your optimization efforts are working is to look at traffic, look at it month on month to compare the month that you're currently in with the previous month. SEO is a long-term investment strategy. So let me just be very clear about that. It's not something that you see an instant impact from. It takes months to see a significant improvement. And sometimes it can take a year because Google's algorithm is so sophisticated, but it also processes so much information that it takes a while for them to pick up those signals and to accurately rank your site. And there's things as well that your website has to do to build that authority so that the more links you get, the higher your domain authority, which is a overarching metric that's been created by another website called Moz. And once you get a higher domain authority, it's an indicator that your rankings will be higher and therefore you will subsequently get more traffic, revenue, orders, etc. You can also use Google My Business if you have a physical store or location that you want to drive customers to. Google My Business is free. There's nothing that you have to implement on your website. You just have to sign up, go into the back end and provide all of the location details. So postcode, address, telephone number, website link. And that's pretty much it. It's really simple. Other things that you can do to encourage repeat visits and consumer trust is to encourage reviews. So whenever a customer buys a product of yours, you should say, would you mind leaving a review? I'd really appreciate it. And whenever someone goes to your Google My Business result to find you know, the location of your store, they might also look at the reviews before doing so. I know I look at reviews a lot anyway, so it is really important to have good quality reviews to encourage repeat purchases, repeat visits, and trust. Another free tool that you can get is Search Console. Search Console is probably one of the main tools that you'll need. It will give you an overall view of keyword performance, mainly branded keyword performance, because we don't get all keyword data from Google just because they restricted it a few years ago. But you can get some keyword data that may be valuable from a branded perspective. That will also give you a view of impressions. So that's how many times your search result was showing for that particular keyword. So for Tesco's, for example, it might be Tesco online shopping you'll see all of those impressions that have come up in 
the space of whatever time frame you pick. So say if you're looking at over a month and you're getting like a million impressions, then it was a million times that your website was shown for Tesco online shopping. And then the clicks are quite self-explanatory to be honest, but it's how much times a customer has clicked on that impression to get to your website. And it also calculates the click-through rate for you. So you can see that information in there as well. You can also see how technically sound your website is. This is also the place that Google will communicate with you to tell you if something is not working correctly. So for example, if they're having trouble interpreting your website or they found some questionable backlinks, they will flag that to you. So even if you are penalized and you do lose your rankings, more often than not, Google would have sent you a message beforehand to tell you that they have found some questionable links and that you have to do something about it. So Search Console is quite vital. I would definitely recommend that as like the key tool followed by Google Analytics. And if you have a physical store, definitely get Google My Business as well. There are other paid for tools that give you a little bit more granularity, like SEMrush, uh, which looks at search volume. So if you are a publisher and you're creating a website, you obviously want to know what people are looking for. So search volume is an indicator of that. That's exactly what it does. It tells you how many people are searching for that term in your area. If you have a gene company, keep going back to this gene company, and you wanted to write about ripped jeans, distressed ripped jeans, something a bit niche, and you wanted to know how much people have been searching for that term in London, then you would go to SEMrush, or you would go to Keyword Planner, which is another tool provided by Google, to see where the demand is on that keyword. And if it's really low, then obviously you know that the demand's not there and there's probably no point in creating that content, or you can find another alternative keyword that is in higher demand. So I think they're the main tools that you can use to assess performance over time. And I also would recommend creating a report, like a reporting template, just so that you have a benchmark. So you can gauge where you are over time and compare against the previous year, everything's documented. It's a good way to go. So keyword research is really important. That's what that is. When I mentioned finding out what the search volume was for a particular keyword, the process is called keyword research. You're essentially creating a list of keywords in your region and mapping that to content themes. So what do you want to talk about in relation to that keyword? And where do you need to put that keyword on the page to ensure that Google can actually determine that your website is about that content? So going back to content optimization, there are elements of the page that you can utilize to signal to Google that you want them to rank your website for that particular keyword. And one of those areas is a H1, also known as the header. So if you go to a website and you read the header or the title of the page, that is also called the H1 more often than not. And that's one of the variables in Google's algorithm. So obviously we know that mobile friendliness is a variable, metadata is a variable, H1s are variables, page speed or page experience are variables or are going to be variables in the near future. 
Now, let me just clarify. PageSpeed already is in Google's algorithm. Page experience isn't. Page experience is going to be added to Google's algorithm in August or by the end of August. Other things that can affect your website are things like duplicate content. So if you have a global website and you have three English speaking markets situated in different countries, so Australia, United States and the United Kingdom, then you most likely will have the same content on all three of those websites and Google will be very confused because Google will think, okay, so basically are these websites all the same? How do I differentiate? So Google have different local search engines. So you'll have google.com, google.co.uk, google.de, etc. So if you have duplicate content across these different websites, so in this example, it would be google.au, google.com, and google.co.uk, then Google will be confused and it will start to rank each of those local sites wherever. So you'll start seeing the search results for the Australian site in the google.com search results, and it will start cannibalizing amongst the US results as well, who also start to lose rankings. So this is also another part of SEO that's quite important if you have a global website. And there are ways to mitigate that. There's a specific type of sitemap that you can implement that contains tags that signal to Google that there are alternative websites that have the same content, but you should serve them according to their locale and not according to chance. And it's called a hreflang tag. They can also be implemented in other ways. You can implement the tags page by page if you want to, which is very long, or you can find a way to automate that, I guess. But you can do it via XML sitemap, which is a popular option. There are also some other tags that sit on the website that will also help Google to understand your website more. So one of these tags, is called a canonical tag. A canonical tag helps to mitigate any duplicate content issues by signaling to Google that out of those duplicate pages, one of them is the priority. So if we just look at one website in isolation now and not look at all of the different international sites that could be causing cannibalization issues, if we just go back to like a google.co.uk website and they have four pages that are exactly the same, then a canonical tag in this specific instance is really beneficial because the canonical tag essentially says to Google, there are four pages here. However, one of them is the priority. And that is the page that we want you to rank in your search engine. And we want you to index that. So you want you to put that in your index, please. Forget the other ones. So the other ones are not really important. They shouldn't be getting any traffic. There's probably multiple reasons why those pages exist. They might be there for customers. They might be there for paid reasons. They might be there for, you know, advertising purposes. They might be there by accident, who knows? But basically that canonical tag signals to Google that only one of those pages should be getting that traffic. So they're quite useful. Schema is another type of code that you can implement. Schema markup is a type of code that you can use on your website to enhance the visual elements of the search results. 
let me explain what I mean by that. Let me try my best to explain this on a podcast, right? So if you're going to a e-commerce website like, for example, Avon, and you want to look for a very particular product, then you go to Google. So, oh, let's try Fenty, actually. Let's try Fenty. Fenty Beauty. Oh, Fenty Beauty. Um, Stunner Lip Paint. Right. Okay, so you're looking for, okay, perfect example. Oh, no, that's not the greatest example, actually. Yes, okay, cool. So you're looking for Fenty Beauty Stunner Lip Paint in Google on a desktop because I can only give you the example of what I'm actually looking at. And the first thing you're going to see is an ad because Boots have paid for an ad to rank above the organic listing. The organic listing is the search result that has been generated by the website that can be enhanced by SEO. Whereas the ad is a completely different channel, but it looks like the same search result. So when you click on the first result, you're actually clicking on the ad. It does say ad next to it, but they all look very similar. If you go below that ad, you will see the Fenty website. It looks fine, you know, meta title, meta description, as you would expect. If you look below that, however, you will see boots.com. And this is the page for Fenty Beauty Stunner Lip Paint Longwear Fluid Lip Color. Underneath the meta description, there is a star rating. Okay, so you can see four and a half stars out of five. You can see how many reviews, 1,754, and how much it is, and whether it's in stock or not, which it is. That star rating is Schema. Schema Markup has been implemented on that website to enhance the search results in Google to increase the click-through rate. So if a customer, so if me, for example, is searching for this product, and I see that it's got four and a half stars, out of five, I'm more likely to click on this result because it's more engaging to me and I trust it more. So schema markup is really useful. There are lots of different types of schema. If you're really interested in it, you can go to a website called schema.org. That's schema.org. And it will show you all the different varieties of code and how that code translates on the front end of Google. So how Google interpret that and what it looks like. So that's another thing that you can do from a technical perspective to enhance your website's visibility. Um, what else are we going to talk about with SEO? I could talk about SEO all day, but I would like to keep this podcast to about 40 minutes. So without packing this episode with so much information, I have condensed it down, hopefully, and provided a very succinct view of a very sophisticated search engine slash algorithm. And I really hope that it was sufficient. I hope it was interesting and I hope that it was informative. If you would like to find out more about SEO, then please reach out to me. I am on SoundCloud. So that's soundcloud.com forward slash yet another podcaster. And that is where you'll find the Meliorism podcast. I will be branching out soon onto other 
podcast platforms, namely Spotify. And I'm quite excited about that actually. But for now, I'm on soundcloud.com forward slash yet another podcaster. And you can message me there. And I'll be more than happy to provide more information and we can talk, you know. Because this is a free episode, but obviously my services are not free. (laughs) So, yeah. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. I hope this has been informative. I really do. I really like to provide value in anything that I do. So, hopefully, you found this valuable. And I'll speak to you soon. Bye.